All right, episode 47 of Slam City, guys. It's Raymond Moore here, Mr. Meg in the studio on this cloudy day, which is supposed to be a rainstorm coming in this weekend for some reason. I don't know why, but right now it's cloudy and... No, right gone. now it's raining. It's raining right now? Yep. Oh, sure my is. God. I didn't bring my umbrella. Well, um, yeah, so that's not that. But we got a lot of stuff to discuss. Um, NBA draft, free agency. Talk a little baseball at the end, of course, but, you know, we have a special guest here. Uh, he writes for... Uh, Die Magazine. He's also a host of the Big Three show. His name is Oliver Moroni, and he's nice enough to join us here. Oliver, it's Ray and Mr. Mack. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you guys? Hello? Uh, it's been, uh, Hello? Oh, hold on. Uh, um, yeah, so, you know, basically, I wanted to talk to you basically um, about the draft itself. Um, You know, a little recap, I guess, about it, because, you know, this year for me, I thought... It, it looked it had a different vibe compared to last year's draft. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no doubt about it. There's a lot more trade speculation. There's obviously the draft is much deeper. I think there's a bunch of guys that are going to end up being undrafted that'll end up making names for themselves in the NBA. And I think when you look later down past the lottery, there was a lot of guys that you could take with a ton of value. So, yeah, I think it was a great draft, and I think it was definitely more exciting than what last year's held. Um, the first three picks of the draft, th- is that what everybody expected? We have Marquise Fultz and L- Lonzo Ball, but but then they had Jason Tatum and the Celtics. I mean, was that a surprise for you? Not really. I mean, with the weekly against the draft, I, I think a lot of people were in the impression that the Celtics were going to take Tatum um, just based on him being the, the professional that he is. Uh, people know him as a very well-spoken guy. Uh, he does a lot of things well on the court. He's a proven scorer. He's probably one of the most NBA-ready players in this draft, if not the most NBA-ready as far as his scoring ability and his capability to make his own shot. Um, he's just a very polished offensive player, and I think that's what they hate on him, and that's why they, they took him at number three. You think uh, for the 76 speaking, Mark Markel Fultz, that you know, it was just the, the pick, of course, that they were all going for, or you think that uh, they should have picked Alonzo Ball? Uh, you talking about the Lakers? Yeah. No, I mean, for the 76ers yeah. picking faults, I mean, you think that was... 76ers. The... Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the 76ers, I mean, they, they, they did what was obvious. Markel Fultz is a terrific talent. He's a terrific asset. Um, do I think he has as high of a ceiling as Lonzo? I don't. Uh, and I'm in the minority of that. So, um, me personally, uh, I probably would have liked to have seen Lonzo uh, lay in today, but I think the fit with Markel Fultz and the way that he can score the ball, um, along with his physical attributes and athletic ability, uh, make him very intriguing with Philadelphia at number one. So I don't think you can go wrong with a pick, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty high on the ball. Okay. Uh, got a real quick question, man. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for uh, sitting in with us. Um, no I, w- I wanted to ask your opinion as far as w- what we've seen in the playoffs uh, b- between the Cavs and the Warriors and everybody trying to get a super team. Do you think that had an effect on the draft? I mean, f- first things first, most of the people on the Warriors weren't drafted number one, They, you know, and they turned into this team that they are. But now everybody's kind of, you know, having an arms race to, to load up and stack up. How do you think rookies play a part in that? I think they play a huge part. If you hit under draft picks, then, then you win. I mean, that's the way it works. And you've seen it with the Warriors. They got three terrific pieces. They're all complementary of one another. They're very unselfish. I don't even think you asked the Golden State Warriors when they drafted all three of these guys 
that they would have assumed it would have gone as well as it has. But, you know, sometimes you miss, sometimes you hit, and that's part of the draft. And I think this year's draft was extremely deep. I mean, historically deep. I, I don't know if there's a better draft in the past 10 years than the one that just happened. And I think that that, that really, really uh, made a lot of teams uh, interested in moving up or buying picks. I mean, the record dollar amount from the Golden State Warriors, Jordan Bell at 35, $3.5 million just for one pick. That's unheard of. I mean, that's a historic number. And that's, I mean, they broke the bank to try and get a player in this draft. So it tells you how high teams were on these players in this draft and just how how talented this this draft was. I mean, really, 1 through 60, you couldn't go wrong. I don't think there was one pick that I could have said, man, this guy really scratches my head or one over the other. I mean, there's an argument to be made for all these players because they are so so talented and so gifted. Uh, you know, you look at a guy in Josh Action whose son's picked, and you know, they, they, you know, this guy has like he's explosive athletes, like six eight. He could be a, a high level defender, elite competitor, and everything. Well, you know, to me, when I saw that pick for the Suns, I was like, oh man, I thought the Celtics may have made a mistake not drafting Josh Jackson. But with Jackson with the Suns, is that gonna elevate the team into possibly being uh, sneaking into the playoffs? In your opinion? I don't think the Suns are there yet. I like Josh Jackson. Don't get me wrong. He's a hell of a player. I do think there's some red flags with him. Obviously, off the court, he had some issues with Kansas last year, along with the fact of missing his workout, um, you know, essentially canceling his workout while Danny Ainge and company were flying over to Sacramento to see him do that. I think that's uh, a bad sign as well. Obviously, you can recover from those things. It's not something that's going to knock you for the rest of your career, but um, I do think there is some worries off the court with a guy like John Jackson just because of his history in his past and what he did even up to the draft. So I like him as a player. I think his defensive ability is off the chart. I think he's athletic. I think he has a ton of potential on the offensive side of the ball as well just because of how athletic he is. But I don't necessarily think that that vaults Phoenix into a playoff position. Uh, well, how were you? What will you compare Jackson to? And, and I don't like to use the whole Jalen because Jalen's comparisons on on ESPN were just ridiculous. Most of these players, but I know he said to equal dollar. But in your opinion, what, how you compare Josh Jackson to any of the NBA players right now? Ooh, that's tough. Um, you know, almost I almost want to say like uh, Wiggins. I think that's a pretty close comparison. Yeah, that's good. Man. Um. I think someone of that nature. I don't think he is Wiggins offensively yet. Um, Wiggins obviously struggles shooting too, so there, there's a similarity there. But I think defensively, the tools and the potential are almost identical to what Wiggins was. You know, very very well sized. Uh, obviously, has a very good figure. Athletic has a lot of things intangibles about him that people like in Wiggins. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to say that. I hate jumping to conclusions and saying one player is going to be X, but I do think that Andrew Wiggins is a pretty good comparison or a pretty close comparison. Uh, if there are any others, I actually think Iguodala pick is not a bad one. Uh, offensively, Iguodala is not exactly the most talented player, but he got to the rack, he got to the hole, he could do what he could with the ball offensively. Not exactly the greatest ball handler either. So there is some comparisons there as well.
Well, I'll tell you this. I think the Williams is much better than the comparison equal Dalla, and 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 I actually agree with you on that point because sometimes when Jalen does these comparisons on ESPN, it's just you scratch your head sometimes on these comparisons. Like these guys are gonna be like them, but you know, there's one pick that caught my interest. Actually, two things though, but one of them was with the Kings drafting uh, the Aaron Fox. Do you think this is a splash like home run uh, pick for the Kings moving forward? Yeah, I think they had the best draft of any team in the NBA. Uh, they got they filled all the needs. They checked all the boxes. They got winners. They got good locker room guys. They yeah. got guys that have excellent intangibles. I think they won the draft, and it's not even close. I mean, really, they to me, they got four guys they can insert into their lineup immediately. Four guys who can probably play twenty to thirty minutes a night, grow, improve with the player. Player minded coach in Dave Yeager. I like what the Kings did. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to be a hell of a player in this league. This shot obviously has some difficulties. Um, people have had question marks about it. I think he can develop it. I think he can improve. I, I really reckon him offensively. I, I think he's very similar to John Wall in that sense that he can't necessarily score um, outside in, I guess you could say. He's more of an inside out scorer. He'll, he'll drive to the basket. Uh, he can make plays, uh, but as far as his shooting ability, it's very similar to John Wall. John Wall was really not the offensive powerhouse that he has become, and even now, I mean, the shooting ability isn't insane, yeah. but he can blow by people athletically, and I think that's where the comparisons come in there. Well, you know, to me, and I look at that, and I look at Fox and the whole package, and, you know, when he when he outplayed Lonzo Ball and, you know, basically in the, um, in the NCAA tournament, you know, it was impressive because this guy has a high mortar and he's passionate about what he does. You know, a lot of people, they talked about, you know, the point guards in this in this draft, and I thought Fox should have been in, like, in the top two, and, and it was a surprise for me when he dropped down thinking that, oh, he's going to get picked by one of the – the Suns or the Celtics, but I think, in my opinion, it was a good spot for the Kings. But, you know, for the franchise moving forward, is this a type of player where he can possibly lead them into the postseason and not, like, be like DeMarcus Cousins? Because, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, they came from the same school, you know, from Kentucky. So it's like, you know, the Kentucky players, they're talented and everything, but can he be able to, to be mature within the league and not be, like, hurting the team in any way? Uh, I, I left at De'Aaron Fox in high school. Um, I saw my hoop summit on uh, the USA basketball program. I've seen him a couple of other times through some high school basketball circuits. I think this kid is a lot different than what Boogie Cousins is. Obviously, Boogie had a lot of red flags. I mean, just his arguing with the referees, you know, that sort of thing. Um, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I think De'Aaron's built in a different uh, structure. He's got a different mindset. Uh, his intangibles... I think are off the charts, and I think that you know his attitude, his willingness to win, he's going to make it happen. And I think that this will vault the Kings to postseason success. Yes, I do. I don't know if it's this year. Uh, I'm on record saying that this year they're going to make the playoffs. I think that's the sleeper team of all the teams in the NBA right now, uh, just because of how well they drafted. But I mean, I, I do think that they are going to get really close uh, to making the playoffs within the next couple of seasons. Quick question. Uh, who do you think did the worst in the draft? Well, the Bulls. I mean, they, they, their move questioned me a little bit. Um, you know, look, basically they got two players. Um, and they're two lottery players with big question marks. Zach Levine, we know what he can do. He's an offensive threat. Defensively, I don't know if he's there yet. I think his size gives you an indication that he could be. 
Um, but he doesn't have necessarily the skills or the talent level right now on defense to do that. And then secondly, his ACL injury. Nobody really knows how he's going to come back from it. Is he going to come back just as strong, just as athletic? Because we know he uses his athleticism to his advantage, and that's where he gets a lot of his points and buckets, uh, creates separation on offense, et cetera. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of question marks with that trade that they did yesterday. And I think for that reason, I'd say the Bulls are the losers of the draft. They also sold the pick uh, that the Warriors wanted for $3.5 million. And I think Jordan Bailey would have been an excellent fit in Chicago, or at least, you know, I just think he's a great player. I think that he has, he has the attitude, the intangibles, et cetera. So they decided to sell that pick. And I'm befuddled by it. I just don't understand why the Bulls, if they are going through a rebuild, wouldn't want another player with that good locker room mentality and mindset. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think that they were pretty much the losers of the draft. If there was anybody else, I don't know. I think a lot of teams did well. I think the Knicks actually did some good things. Uh, I, I like the kid out of France. I think that he's going to be special. He's got a lot of athleticism. Can do a lot of things right. I saw a workout. Actually, he just arrived in New York and uh, did a workout with uh, Mr. Brickley over there in New York, and he uh, he just looks good. He just he looked good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how well it will translate to the NBA early on, but I think that he's got a lot of potential. I just think a lot of teams did well. This this draft was deep. Like I said, I, I just don't think you could really go wrong. Looking at the French kid, and you know, this is a good lead up to it. Um. The Knicks, when they picked them, you know, the whole fan thing, they were going to boo like they always do every time a player gets picked. I mean, that's just a common thing in New York City. And then before that, they were chanting fire fill for like a good one minute or two. As well they should. <laughs> because they tried to check for things, which was going to be ridiculous. But again, with this kid, though, I know I know uh, on ESPN they said there's like a 59% chance that he could be a bust and a 40% chance that he could be an all-star. I think for me, looking at him... If he can develop to, you know, being stronger at his size, and he's only 6'5", and I think he's going to keep growing because he's only, like, 18 years old. For all we know, he might be 6'7", when he's, like, 21 because, because for some reason, Ben Simmons kept growing. He's, like, now almost 7 feet. So it's like with this kid, though, 7'1", wingspan, he has all the intangibles of being a great defender. But offensively, do you think he can develop that consistent jump shot and also – I know he said he was an unselfish player. You think that's going to hinder maybe his potential, or he's going to be more about the, the team of the Knicks and, of course, the triangle? I think Frank is going to do whatever it takes. I mean, when you come into a new system, a new offense, learn a new language, et cetera, it's going to be very difficult for you to just say no to things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that he's going to learn on the fly. I think it'll be a you know, work in progress, but... I do think having other international players will definitely help him. I think a guy like Porzingis is going to help this guy kind of grow and improve because he's been overseas. He's played in Europe at his age. Uh, so I do think that they kind of won in that aspect because you do need guys in the locker room to help guys move along. And, um, I think that's a very understated piece of the NBA, especially when you're drafting guys, is finding guys that have either played with each other, worked with each other before, have an IQ level that is the same or similar, uh, have similar personalities or understand each other better, you can always win in that aspect. So I, I, I think this kid is good. I think he's got a bright future. I really do. And, uh, you know, look at the athleticism. Some of the videos that I've seen and some of the tape that I've seen, um, it's off the charts. I mean, this guy can – he's a high flyer. He's got, you know, he's got some room to improve. Obviously, his ball handling ability um, – 
his touch, uh, his shooting ability, obviously, has kind of been questioned at times. But uh, from what I've seen, I mean, I think he's going to be a very good player in this league. Well, what do you think is the obsession with Phil Jackson and drafting these international players? Because, you know, they always say from Europe and, you know, all the world that the one thing that separates them from the players in the United States is that the fundamentals, you know, they're very sound and, you know, they're, they're sticking to the points, not using all their athleticism like, like the players are in the league. But, you know, this is athletic league and there's going to be a lot of three-point shooting and you're seeing run up and down. I mean, look at the Warriors winning the title like that. And, of course, you know, Durant and playing with, with the team and everything. But, you know, for for I want to ask you this question though about Phil Jackson like specifically do you think he has an obsession with drafting more international players than USA players because of the fundamentals? Uh, I don't think so. I think that international players uh, have a pedigree of playing professional basketball, uh, and I think that he wants guys that are going to come in and make an impact right away. You saw with Porzingis, he brought him in, he played four years I think overseas already. Yeah. So he's had experience playing professionally. He had experience making money early on. He had all that out of the way. Um, and I think international guys, they get blinded for some reason because they're international and they haven't played college ball. But I actually quite uh, – I, I would I would prefer to pick an international guy in my freshman, depending on the obviously the skill level and talent level. But if they're equal, I would definitely take the international player because he's making money. He understands the game. And he's playing it overseas at a different level and a different caliber than what any college team would face. Um, and I know that college teams are great here. I think they're wonderful. I think the college game continues to find its niche. But I think, you know, when you look at uh, making money versus not making money, the experience of playing overseas with playing with guys that play in the Olympics or uh, play on different international teams, um, you get that vibe early on, and I think that gets it out of the way. So I, I think it's good. I don't think he's necessarily pin- – I, I think if Phil Jackson's smart, he's not pinpointing going international over somebody else. But I think that when you look at the talent level and the skill level and the fit, I think it just made logical sense. Interesting. Uh, you, you know, before they drafted and everything, there was always this rumor about them, and it was possibly going to happen about – Chris Chasper against getting traded for multiple picks and a player. And, you know, I found that ridiculous when he did that to begin with. But, you know, I think sometimes his ego gets in the way of, oh, you know, who's in charge here and this and that. Was there any scenario or any situation where you think that they were really going to trade Chris Chasper to uh, last night? I don't think so. I mean, you look at what they were asking for, and it was quite high. The price was quite high. Um, I just... Yeah, I, I don't really know on that aspect. I really don't know what Phil was thinking because not only has he pissed off Chris Dabbs, no doubt, it, no doubt about it, um, but he hasn't traded him either. So you've got a, a, a player that's been basically talked about in trade rumors. And, you know, look, it's fine if you're talking about in trade rumors, but your GM leaking the rumors is not okay. Uh, you don't see that very often. You don't see a president of basketball operations go out to the public and say, yeah, well, if we get the right offer, we'll trade Chris Tapps. That just doesn't really happen. Um, so I think that is a negative on their part. I think they shouldn't have done it just because it doesn't do anything. I mean, it just creates friction within the locker room, creates friction within the organization. I, I, it just doesn't really make much logical sense to me why you would even try and attempt to deal with a guy like that and announce it out loud to everyone. Does that same logic hold true for Carmelo Anthony and the whole back and forth that they've been having? Because it's 
pretty much the same thing, except Carmelo's an established pretty much like superstar. Pretty much the same thing. I think it's even more disrespectful when when you deal with a guy like Carmelo and you re-sign him for the dollars that he was re-signed for, and Carmelo does everything right. And I, I can't believe I said that, but you know it's you know it's it's interesting. He's done pretty much anything that he could possibly do to help the Knicks organization. Aside from signing a massive contract, which obviously hinders their cap space, but overall his attitude's been great. Um, he works for great, great with other players. I think that he was the reason that the USA won the Olympic gold a few years back. Because I agree. He he was the leader, and he hasn't necessarily been that in the past. So I thought he changed. I thought he built himself up for building this next team to a successful organization and. You know, Phil just completely threw him under a bus. So, I don't like the way he's handled the players. I don't know if he has some trick up his sleeve or something else, but it, to me, it makes no logical sense why you would dangle under those two players out there and make it known that you want to trade them. Well, Phil has been kind of failing in my eyes as a GM since he got there. I mean, every trade, he, every every player he's released or let go, we got nothing back for he basically dismantled the team that uh, – well, he, he was part of dismantling the rest of the team that we got – what was it, 52 wins that yeah. season, 54 wins, 54 something wins, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got rid of the coach. You brought in one rookie coach, and then you brought in another uh, coach. And after that, you're, you're, you're obsessed with running the triangle, which is outdated, and everybody can see it coming, and nobody's falling for it. Like, does, 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 has Phil done anything that's making sense to, you know, a basketball guy like you? He drafted Chris Stapps. I don't. I can't even <laughs> give him credit for that. I, you know, he's got a staff for that. Yeah, no, he's got a staff for it. I just think that he was behind that pick. I don't really think he's done much to help this team, though. No, you're right. And the Knicks were kind of in a tricky situation to begin with, but I think any other GM probably could have done the same job, if not potentially better, with what he was given. And I think is signing Derrick Rose. Signing Joe Kim Noah was the first sign that this thing was going to fall apart pretty quickly. And obviously, those two players not doing much as of right now. And I don't think we can see them in the future doing much. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that he's done uh, probably a subpar job. I don't think he's done as bad as everybody's been saying he has because there wasn't much to work with when he got there. Sure. But he hasn't turned this around like everybody assumed. And I think that looking at his pedigree, looking at his past, looking at how successful he has been as a coach, um, people just assume to translate. And he can't do the things that he's doing in the team um, to be successful. Uh, I, I just don't feel like, you know, like I said, dangling Chris Stapps, dangling Carmelo is a good option or a good idea. <laughs> do do Is getting rid of Dolan the only hope? Is that it? Is that is that what has to happen? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? I said, "Is is Dolan selling the team our only hope? Is that is that what has to happen? Because between people not wanting to play for Phil Jackson because of what he did to Carmelo, and then people not wanting to play for Dolan because of what he did to, uh, you know, oh, okay, yeah, is that is that it? Is is that our only hope to get this franchise back on on some kind of respectability level? Uh. I don't necessarily think so. I think what's interesting is that Chris Edwards came out and said he played for New York. Uh, you know, his head's still there. I think it's incredible that he's got that much of a 
mental capacity to, to like not hold a grudge against New York for dangling in the streets. But um, if that's the case, I mean, this may pan out. This may work out. Uh, I think that with Frank, with Kristen, uh, uh, depending on if they deal him or not, or Carmelo, there's just so much stuff up in the air that I, I can't really say um, necessarily that the Knicks would uh, would be in a not a better situation, but would be much better, I guess you could say, with with Bill Jackson or without him. But I do think that if you're going to bring this franchise back to respectability, it starts with treating players the right way. And I do think that, that they did definitely screw up. All right, I got two questions for others to go. One of them is, will LeVar Ball, you know, I mean, Lalonzo Le- Ball is that, you know, he was, of course, he was going to be in the draft and he's going to talk about, you know, the Lakers. And then he says a blasphemous statement about them getting to the playoffs because of his son and everything. But with the brand itself, like doing this big baller brand, is this really hurting his his son's chance of actually signing something bigger with Nike, Adidas, or Under Armour? Or is this just something, maybe something of starting something new? That we never seen before, where a dad does his brand. Now they're just suddenly now maybe actually becoming, you know, like a competitor to these other brands. Is that possible? If his son becomes a superstar, then yeah. Actually, mm. not even that. If his son becomes a star, or if he makes a name for himself, which he already has, um, but if he gets on the court and shows up, I, I think I think it's a great idea. All star, I, I all star level. Does he have to get to all star level for that to be a factor? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think that if he has a good rookie season or has either like a runner-up rookie of the year, maybe third place, first place, somewhere in that, you know, upper echelon of rookie of the year candidate, I think he's got a shot. Um, I think that the, the, the brand will thrive. Um, I think LeVar has made a name for himself, obviously. He does his own thing. I think he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. Um, he knows what he's doing, even though people act like he's not or – a lot of people think that he's he's doing it not on purpose, but he's doing everything on purpose. He's very calculated. I think that he knows exactly what he's trying to accomplish here, which is getting the name out there. And he's doing it the way that, you know, you've seen ESPN thrive with in the past. He's just got sports one start to get that going as well. Uh, he's doing it to get attention. He's doing it to get numbers. He's doing it to get ratings. He's, and, and it's hard because he's not the player. And he'll come out and say outrageous claims that his son – I'm telling you, his son is a special player. I think that he is the best in this draft. I think he has the highest ceiling. I think he's got a ton of potential to be an all-star caliber player. And his vision is just uncanny. I mean, the the way that he plays on the court is pretty incredible and remarkable, specifically because he's not exactly the greatest scorer of all time. But his vision and, and the way that he facilitates things is very, very good, and I, I love the way that he acts. He actually conducts himself, I think, as one of the better players that I've seen. Um, I saw him in Sacramento in the NCAA tournament, first and second round. Uh, it watched him in practice, and, like, wherever he goes, like, the rest of the team goes. Like, they fall him across the court. You know, it's, it's, it's very clear that he can command the road, take control, lead by example. Um, and I just think that he's got something that uh, a lot of players don't have in the draft. Interesting. You know, and also, you know, his dad is a great promoter. I mean, if he was in WWE, I mean, he would just be, like, one of the best promoters you've ever seen in WWE history, and he would be, like, perfect for it. But he's doing good for his son, too. And then, then this last question i got to ask you. Now that we're heading into free agency now, 
what do you think is going to be the first thing that's going to happen? Is Paul George going to get traded? Is is Mel going to get traded? Or Cleveland going to make some kind of splashy move to get better and compete with the Warriors? Like, or, or is Kevin Durant, the pay cut and everything, and Curry with this big deal? Like, what do you think is going to happen the minute the day one of free agency happens? What's going to happen, in your opinion? I don't think there's going to be trades. I really think that it's free agents first. So I'm talking about Boston going after Paul George. They'll go after Paul George after they've already committed to Gordon Hayward or one of the big name free agents. Uh, you know, those will be the first dominoes. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Gordon Hayward, um, all the other names that we have kind of, you know, heard or listened about. They're restricted and unrestricted free agents. Then, you know, a couple of days after that, we'll start to see the trades go down once people understand where they are with the path and what they need to get in order to get certain players. I, I would not be shocked one bit to see Boston pick up Gordon Hayward and Paul George potentially. I, I just I don't think that necessarily um, is out of the question. I think they'd have to be one before the other, and I think Gordon Hayward would be the obvious answer. And then they can work out the tough situation with Indiana on how they would deal with it. So I think a lot of it is going to start with free agent signings at certain places and then moving towards the trades and, and what we see. But I do think I think Chris Paul has a very good chance of leaving LA. I think Gordon Hayward has a very good chance of leaving Utah. Yeah. Um, and I think those two pieces will definitely be moving to other teams. Uh, I could, I, I don't know for sure. I can't say definitive answers, but um, from what I hear, I, I don't think there's any guarantee that Chris Paul is back in LA, and I don't think there's any guarantee that Gordon Hayward comes back to Utah. Interesting. Could, could, uh, Oh my God! Just that fast, I forgot his name. I'm looking right at him. Paul George to the Clippers. Does that does that put them over the top, as the team is right now? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, they'd have to free up some cap space. They'd have to give up some players in order to do it, um, because they're they're over the cap, or they will be. And uh, so I, I don't know where that necessarily fits. I think they'd have to give up like a DeAndre Jordan or figure out another trade partner to do a three way trade. So maybe it's not enough because then you're looking at a different situation. Or right. maybe get Paul George. I mean, there's so many different factors. But does it put him over the top? I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't really know if, if the core that they have really works. So maybe Paul George does. Um, mm. I'm not. I'm not sold on it though. Smarter for CP to go to the uh, Spurs. I don't know if the Spurs is necessarily the greatest destination either. I think there's other options as well. I think the Houston Rockets is a very viable situation um, because of who they have as a coach. You have to remember, I mean, Chris Paul's worked with Popovich. He's worked with Mike D'Antoni. He's worked with Tibbs. Um, so I wouldn't rule out Minnesota either. Not that his family would want to move there. Not that he would want to go there. But I wouldn't rule that out because... Look at the situation they have. They got a lot of young pieces. He wouldn't be necessarily the cornerstone of that franchise, um, but he'd be a difference maker, and he'd be able to lead in the locker room with a guy like Jimmy Butler, who he's worked with before. Yeah, I think there's obvious answers elsewhere as well. I mean, like, like James Harden worked with them in USA Basketball. Mm. Um, a lot of these guys like the USA Basketball program. They like the coaches they deal with, mm-hmm. uh, or else they wouldn't play it. <laughs> and Chris Paul is a USA lifer. He's done it a lot. I know a lot of these coaches. So one of those destinations would not shock me one bit. Does last this is my last question, I promise. Does LeBron stay in Cleveland? I think this season, yes. I don't think he's leaving right now. 
I think there's too much on the line. I think he's probably ending up with Chauncey Billups. Actually, I'm, I'm almost certain Chauncey Billups is going to be the guy there. Um, and I think he's going to wait it out one more year. Uh, and that way, you know, LA's got a ton of capital, and, um, and you're going to look at some serious situations at that point. But I don't think he moves this year, no. Okay. Uh, okay, fair enough. All right, that's good enough. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate everything, you know, everything about the draft, our free agency, about the Knicks, and, and overall, the whole thing, man. I appreciate that. Um, If anything, you know, we'll be in touch, of course, and you can always welcome on the show. Sounds great. Thank you very much, guys. You too, man. Have a good day. All right, so, you know, it's interesting stuff Um, about the draft overall, about the whole free agency market. I mean, listen, what, what, yesterday... You know, looking at that whole Knicks situation, like, we were just like, huh. You know, the first pick, of course, the first two were going to be Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and then, uh, you know, anything happened from there. I mean, Celtics could have traded that pick and got Porzingis or something, but then they picked Jason Tatum, which I thought was uh, it's a little weird at first. I thought they were going to pick yeah. Josh Jackson. I didn't see that coming. I didn't, I didn't see, see that, that coming at all. I thought they were going to pick Josh Jackson for sure, and then Josh Jackson fell to the Suns, and then... You know, Fox went to the Kings. Uh, I thought that was uh, I thought was okay too for them, but then I look at all these grades in the draft, and most of them I see is A plus, A plus, A A A minus. Even the the Frank kid for the Knicks was like B plus to like A minus range around this. I, it's I've like, never seen him play. I really can't even. It's, for me, this is. You look another, at footage tonight. To, today, yeah, if yeah. You can, for me, this is another Kristaps situation. Yeah, like, it is. I didn't know what he was gonna do. I shut up once I saw what he could do. Yeah. So, and it, but here's the difference: when Kristaps was first picked, and everybody was hitting the ceiling, they're booing him like that kid. Yeah, booing, <laughs> yeah, booing him crazy. I stayed calm because at the time, Phil Jackson was still unproven as an executive. Yeah. And he had my trust. I just kind of was like, you know, yeah. oh, slow down, guys. This is Phil Jackson we're talking about. He knows what he's doing. I have to believe that Phil Jackson can spot a good basketball player. I'm going to have some faith in Phil. He went someplace else to get a player. I'm going to have some faith. And it worked out. Then I found out that he still sucks as an executive, <laughs> and he's not the guy who actually made that pick. He just signed off because he trusted people who were smarter than him, yeah. and he still managed to make dumbass decisions in every other place he had his hands in. Mm-hmm. So that was my sample size as Kristaps was originally picked. Now with this guy, I'm I'm not so much trusting Phil Jackson as much as I'm just trusting the staff, his his same staff that was responsible for bringing in Porzingis. I'm going to trust that staff to be responsible for bringing in another dude. But I don't. I've never seen this dude play, and I've seen the other players in the draft play, like you know Monk, who they obviously passed up on, and a couple other players who they passed up on who fell. They, they could have got it the number eight pick. Yeah. You know, and then they picked this guy out of the blue. So, I mean, you know, as much as I want to freak out on some what are you doing because you didn't pick something we know would have been effective, uh, Monk, a decent two, a very decent two-way player, uh, spot-up shooter with some great athleticism and an amazing upside. You know what I mean? I, I just felt like that was the no-brainer. Among a couple other players. But then you pick this guy I've never heard of before in my life. So it just kind of makes me super uncomfortable. And it doesn't help me trust the Phil Jackson aesthetic and brand. I mean, for what we know from this kid is that he's a 6'5 point guard, 7'1 wingspan. So he's a long arm point guard, like really long. And he's, based on the videos that I see, he's, like, he's athletic. I mean, this guy could 
dunk on people for God's sake. So he's fast. Mm-hmm. He has athleticism. He has a really good jump shot. That's probably gonna get better as the years go by. Um, he's very smart. Uh, he's very unselfish, which is one thing that I think yeah, it's gonna good. it's gonna help Porzingis. I think because I don't think him playing with a scoring guard like Derrick Rose is gonna make him better. Because I think Rose is just looking for his shot most of the time. So this kid's gonna be more about trying to look for Porzingis and other people involved. But and that's that's why I, I wanted to ask Oliver about the question: Is that is that gonna hinder his potential? Because I mean, it's good to be unselfish, but sometimes it ain't good to be too unselfish. Like when you pass up on an open shot. Or you just like, or you want to make the right play and you don't really take the shot, you know. Because you don't want to be that type of player. I mean, it's good to have unselfish players. I mean, you see what the Warriors have done and they play together and everything. And you see the Spurs over the past, like, 15 years of them playing unselfish basketball and mm-hmm. the system that they developed. But, you know, this guy looks like he's a fit for the triangle. And with Porzingis, they're going to be hopeless. Which is still pissing me off. Yeah. I'm so tight that we're sticking to this triangle business. Like, it hasn't evolved at all. It hasn't. And the thing is, teams have done aspects of the triangle. When we've seen the Warriors and the Spurs. Popovich runs a little bit of triangle. Warriors so does, run, yeah, Warriors the run Warriors a little bit, do. but they don't run it all the time. They, they have aspects of it. They don't run it all the time. They're just little accents here and there, and they adjust. Yeah. They adjust on the fly. Like, they come down. It's not like an automatic call. They just... Figure it out as they go. Cause it's like it's almost like triangle. You're like moving around most of the time. You're moving constantly. Like the Warriors, how they are. They like a democracy. Right. They move around constantly. And whoever's open takes the shot. Yeah, and and, and that's funny though. The Cavaliers, if they had a chance against the Warriors, they should have ran the triangle actually because it would have actually slowed down things and actually they would have been better of getting those cuts and all that stuff. But right. you didn't do that. But like going with the Nixon's triangle situation. I mean, you have now this player, you have Porzingis, and then you have Courtney Lee, and then you, I don't know, they're not going to sign Derrick Rose back. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that. they are. Do they get a take on the pay cut? Well, uh, you know what? It, it, is Courtney Lee stuck? Are we He's stuck, stuck yeah. I don't think, I mean, we did draft his other player at the 44th pick. I forgot his name, but he was from, uh, damn, I forgot the school he was from. But he's a shooting guard who averaged like 17 points. Two-way player? He's kind of a two-way player, yeah. I think yeah, he he's he shot forty four percent from three, so we know he's That's a shooter. Excellent. He's a shooter. He's supposed to be a good passer and a good finisher. So what I'm guessing is that he's gonna be a guy that probably come off the bench, give you some points, and I don't think he's gonna start because you have still have Courtney Lee and everything. And eventually Courtney's gonna be off the bench, and this guy might be whatever. He's like, but he's twenty three years old, and Jackson always likes to draft these rookies that are like. 22, 23, because they're already established as professionals, I guess, and they're more mature and everything. I just don't trust him anymore. I, I just I, don't it's, trust him. It's hard because the whole situation leading up to this was where they're going to trade Chris Tasperzingas. Mm-hmm. The whole week, I was just like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me with this. These would be great picks that you're telling me we got Yeah. with a core consisting of Carmelo and Kristaps. But we don't even know what's going to happen with, 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 with Willie Herman Gomez yeah. at, at the center. Like, what you're talking about right now, everything you just named me, Mello at the three, Chris Stapps at the four, Herman Gomez at the five. Yeah. With uh, a decent, uh, two decent two-way players, one who, who's an unselfish point. Yeah. And another shooting guard who can average 17 points a game. That's a winning squad. That's a great squad. That's a fantastic squad, especially if they're going to be moving the ball and you know what I mean? But I see, here's my whole thing. I've always believed that Melo's ISO tendencies come from the fact that he doesn't trust anybody else because he's always been surrounded by bums. 
He didn't have a problem passing yeah. when we won those 50 some odd games. Well, also that Jason Kidd was a point guard, so you always get to listen to Jason Kidd. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, yes, yes. But all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of factors in. He also had Woodson as a coach who was stressing, like, certain things. Yeah. And wasn't stressing the triangle. It was, you know, make sure we do this, make sure we do this, let's do this. We played great defense. We won a gang of games. We went to the second round. Like, we needed to improve on that core instead of just tearing it all up. And we had an opportunity, and here comes Phil Jackson. The first thing he does is get rid of the coach. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Then Tyson Chandler goes for no reason, and you bring in a bum center who's been washed. Who hasn't been in the league anymore. You you pay Noah $72 million? Shane Larkin, who came in, and Larkin doesn't even in the league anymore. You couldn't get Noah in for like $20 million. Like you had to give him seventy. Yeah. Ten. He knew he was washed. He knew it was over for him. They wanted the money. I mean, that's smart would've... for him, but no, not it's smart great for, for Noah. Yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm no, I'm taking every penny. Like, yeah. you don't say no to that. And and then now he's busted, like, on these drugs, and he ain't got to play, and he still gets the collected dough. Like, I just don't under, I don't, I don't trust Phil anymore. I just can't trust Phil. I just can't trust Phil. Even, even every piece that we had, I think, with decent coaching – could have done something. The team just as it was. You take Noah out the picture. Yeah. And just at start Willie or what was the other? Kyle Quinn. Yeah. Start either one of those two at center. Who's gotten better, Kyle Quinn? I mean, he's giving you. They both decent, got better. Yeah. They both got. They both got extremely better. You bring. You bring one of those two in. Uh, to start at center, I think we actually have a squad with decent coaching. That could have done. I think Jason Kidd could have done something with that squad. Well, you know, Jason Kidd's a good coach. Not, we not, not, Bucks. and if especially if he's not chained to the triangle. Yeah, is this whole thing like he's a guy who's gonna find mismatches on the court and mm-hmm. also play like basketball? I mean, look at Gonzalez's development, and it's funny about Gonzalez. He didn't even know about Jason Kidd until you researched him, and he's like, "Wow, look at this guy!" Yeah, how like, about what, that? What was like, this all about? Like, gold medal Olympic. Yeah, he didn't know any about this champion. Like, wow. like three point. How about how about? I'm not even sure, to be honest, what kind of coach Jeff Hornacek is. We don't, yeah, we don't know either. I mean, we have no idea. The Suns, he did okay, but the first year, but then after the next two years, he just went down, and then they just weren't the same after that. So it's hard to take because well, we know one thing though: the East is not going to be for the Knicks. Suddenly, they're going to start winning a lot of games and be a contender. It's going to take a while for them with this squad. Um, I know maybe in a few years from now, you're going to see probably the rivalry between Porzingis and. Out of the tubo from the Bucks, because mm-hmm. I know LeBron's not gonna—he's getting older. You're in not gonna fi- see in, in Philly. Yeah, so you got definitely gotta see those rivals between those three players. In my opinion, those three top players are probably gonna be in the East in the next couple of years. Because I know Godness can guard Porzingis, and because mm-hmm. of his lamp and Porzingis this and that, so that's gonna be like maybe those Eastern Conference Finals things if they become good teams and stuff like that. I'm so looking to see—I'm looking to see Kristaps transform and, and get a little Kevin Durant in him. Yeah, which he because he he has to develop that dribbling, which he did a little bit this season. He's starting. He's seeing, starting. A, he's seeing he's a lot starting. of crossovers now. I see it coming. I seen the I seen on Insta, his Instagram now doing a lot mm. of these uh, drills with dribbling, a lot of dribbling, a lot of shooting, getting stronger. Looks like so, without getting without turning the ball over because yeah. of his length, like that quick dribble, that quick step. I see him developing that, and I see him. Tra- I see him getting very Kevin Durantish because he everybody likes to compare him to Dirk. But yeah. he's not as awkward as Dirk. He's got much better footwork than Dirk. He's Dirk, athletic. Yeah, Dirk just kind of plods along. Yeah. You ever seen Dirk Nowinski run? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just painful. Like, yeah, it's just weird. It's, yeah, like, it, it's literally like his wrists are kind of bent up in the But he makes way. the shot, though. He no, he shot. gets the yeah. shot, but like he has the, that <laughs> shot takes like five minutes to shoot, but it goes in. 
Kevin Durant's like that transcendent that transcendent player though. Like literally mm-hmm. Durant, that's what he is. Like that's why he was like when people when he came out of the draft, the only thing they were questioning about with Durant is like, oh, he's skinny. Is he gonna last? This and that. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be he's a great scorer, but can he can he do this? Then he won MVP. Then then you know the injury came, but then you see how great he is when he's with the Warriors. That that he has a squad behind him that he actually could be this great. Like he literally won them that MVP against the Cavaliers. It wasn't like he was on the the bandwagon. I mean, you could say that because he joined them, but he really was the one who took it a hold and said, "I'm gonna average 35 and seven and five against LeBron and the squad and won them Finals MVP." And we could have had his coach. Yeah, I know. We could have had his coach. We Phil didn't want to pay him the money that he ended up paying to 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 the washout coach that we got. Yeah. We paid this dude all this money for him to be an utter bum. And then we we let we let Steve Kerr get away and go coach a seventy two win team. Well, 73 seventy three win team squad that he team. that he that he inherited from Mark Jackson. And who gives credit still to Mark Jackson about who the defense. We also yeah. Yeah. Have not hired who who yeah. is also just out there chilling. Who, might, who might come to the Cleveland Cavaliers if Chauncey Billups gets that job? In my opinion, that I can see that hurt my feelings. I know in a way you have you you cannot understand. Although Billups and Tyron Lue are best friends, so I don't see that happening anytime soon. But they I would, do they see would, Billups JM being GM. They would ultimately be the Cleveland Knicks if that happened. <laughs> you have one of our legendary point guards. Yeah. As your coach, with all those ex Knicks on the squad, I would my feelings. But would the Shumper so and JR Smith might be gone. I think Shumper's gonna be gone. I think Shump didn't late. show up, so he's gonna be gone. Smith is risky. Smith showed up. He showed up. That's why that's why it's risky. You do right. you want him gone because of that game he had where he basically was putting them into that situation where they were actually gonna have a chance to maybe take a lead, whatever. Like Twenty five points. Yeah. Or do you want to train because you know he's just gonna be inconsistent for like. God knows how long. But he season. he's not he's not the reason that you didn't win that championship. Kevin Love is. Which it's gonna be hard. No one wants Kevin Love. Right. That's, that's why. That's he, gonna be a problem. That's why you hear Brian Windhorst saying, "Well, the Cavaliers don't have pieces of trade because no one wants Kevin Love." No. Can you imagine the package deal where they put Shump and Smith with Love just to get them all out? I mean, the door? that's probably the only way you can do it. I mean, it, that that might be the only way you can trade Love. You have other pieces with him. And watch the Knicks take it. Oh my God. Watch the Knicks. Pull the trigger on that trade for Carmelo but Anthony. The, watch him. Dumb watch tra- him. Why would I want Shumper on my team again? Who's gonna break at the at the at the free throw line most of the time? Who can't finish to save his life and can't shoot? Watch with a, with an inconsistent J.R. Smith. I know who gets hot, but then sometimes he just gets god awful cold. You know, J.R. Smith is like the definition of like what life is about, really. If, if, as a as a person in your life, like anybody, like Jr. Smith's like that person where you can be hot in your in life, where you can be everything's rolling for you, mm-hmm. and then it could be a situation where you're just really cold and you're like dark and you get depressed and stuff. And that's that's how it is. That's what Jr. Smith is like. He's like the inconsistent person that everybody has. Most likely, like they're gonna be great or they're gonna be bad. I always I always consider Jr. Smith to be a great player. Until he finds a, a local nightclub with a lot of thoughts in it. Yeah, or he just dances with Rayana and then messed him up. Yeah, once once he gets around Instagram chicks, he just loses his mind. Like clubs, he was in. He was when he was here. He was in all the clubs every night. Yeah, just turn it up and wilding out, and then come in the game and like stink it up, and nobody could figure out why. And then the game, the nights when they were like on the road and there was no clubs, all of a sudden he was dropping points, and we would. I'm I'm talking out my behind right now, but. <laughs> At the end of the day, like J.R. Smith is just uh, 
I don't I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd want those two dudes back. But what I do know is my faith in the Knicks. It's going down. It, it, going down. We're in the basement, dude. Like I. <laughs> oh my gosh. I man. trust the Knicks to do and make the worst possible decision. Because it's really that's a what Nick I trust. Thing to do. Right. Nick thing it's to right do, now yeah. the Nick thing to do is whatever is the most. Before we just used to do like the weird decision. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Wait, this guy was available. Why would you do that? Yeah, Wait, we, we, we could have done that. Why did you do this? I trusted I trusted them to make head scratching decisions. And sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. Well, like, the Jordan Hill thing didn't pan out when they drafted him in the eighth. With eighth, uh, Allen eighth. Houston, for instance. Max contract. Yeah, that was ridiculous when he did that. Max contract. They brought him in because they were trying to like I, at first I thought they were trying to cut corners, but then they gave him a hundred million to help Patrick out. And it kind of worked out, but not really. He was kind of good, but he wasn't really worth the money. So, you know, that was one of those head-scratching decisions where you didn't have to do it. And then it, it progressively got worse. Like, okay, Frederick Wise over Ron Artest. Why would you do that? Yeah, that was weird. What, like, what that, see? Weird. Weird. You trust them to do the weird thing. Like, why would you do that? And then that one didn't work out, and it was like, Jesus, that was really, really terrible. Now, now... In the year 2017, since the year 26, when did Phil get here? Like three years ago? Yeah. Before that, like after we won those 54 games, now I trust them to do the worst thing possible. Whatever the worst decision is that we can make, that's what I trust the Knicks to do. In the face of the most obvious good decision, I trust them to do the worst thing possible. That's where my faith is with the Knicks. So I'm just waiting to see what kind of god-awful trade comes down the pipe for Carmelo Anthony, like if if and when they trade him. Or the worst thing to do would be to keep him and pull a Stephon Marbury, like just have him on the bench, tell him he can't have any minutes, and just leave him there like they did Steph. Like that was the beginning of, for me, like the worst decision possible. Yeah. Steph comes back from summer in the best shape he's ever been in his life, ready to ball out. And then Tony benches him for the whole season, but still makes him travel with the team. Like, yeah, that's pretty bad. And we're paying him, and we're paying him, and he's right there, and he's an excellent. He's one of the top ten point guards in the league at the time, and we just like sat him on the bench the whole time. That like, was awful, man. That, that was just god awful. But that was the beginning, like Dolan. That beginning was the, the Dolan end, years. Yeah. That was the Dolan years. The we, Isaiah years too, if you think about it. When Dolan Isaiah is responsible did. for the Isaiah years. Oh, god. I just hope everybody is having a good draft. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the Bulls, for the Bulls fans. Yeah, God out knows. There. I don't know why they did that trade. I mean, when I saw that, oh my goodness, I was like, really? Yeah, that Jimmy was Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves. Not that they just become better, but I don't know if they're gonna be like a great team, but they're better now. I think they're like at least like a seven for sixteen. That was a Knicks esque trade. Yeah, that was a Nick like trade. That was something I would I would trust. I mean, us and to do. makes Wiggins and and Towns better. But they did trade, yes, and it makes Rubio better too. You know, still on the team and everything. And they just got Jim, like Jimmy Butler with that squad. Yeah, under under Tom Thibodeau, one of the most defensive minded coaches in the league. Like I seriously think they just put themselves in playoff contention. They can't beat the Warriors though. No, I'm not sure anybody <laughs> can beat the Warriors. No, no, right no, now, man. every right now everybody's just fighting for second place. Yeah, like as far as I'm concerned, know, pretty much, everybody's yeah. fighting for second place until I see something like crazy. Until I see somebody like, until I see a team like really start clicking. Not even Cleveland can beat them, so we didn't want to put them in discussion. Right but now. I, I think, I think with the players we just mentioned that are on Timberwolves, Timberwolves that are on the Timberwolves, I mean, potentially I think, maybe. I yeah. think they can give Cleveland a run. 
they definitely could. And and the one thing about like <laughs> the whole Warriors team, like you don't realize that Javale McGee is like really young, and he's just like he's gonna be good for them. I think he's gonna sign with them most likely because this guy's like really young and he's a good rim protector and everything. And he's got two rings with him already. Well, McGee got one. Oh yeah, yeah he only got one. I think I think Kevin Durant goes out of his way to keep the squad exactly oh, yeah. the way he's it take is. A pay cut. I think he's he takes take... pay cuts to keep everybody. I don't think he. I don't think he cares if people are in decline. You think Curry's gonna take the max though, or you think because he has been underpaid for the past couple of years that he finally gonna take that max? I think they'll find a way to get him some bread, but I think he wants to keep the squad the so way he's it is pay too. Cuts like, too I, yeah. I don't think any of them really want to tamper with what's happening. Oh no, they want to be together for like the next couple of years. I don't like, know, at least they're like. Five or six years, if they got it, they want to keep people dollar living. Still, yeah, so they gotta do something to take because that they pay they cut. And, yeah. they and and Durant's already got bread. Like yeah. he's already seeing the money. He's he's not suffering by any means. He's making superstar worthy dollars. I think I think they they kick a little bit more over to Clay and um Green and, and um Draymond and Drayvon and and uh, Curry. Yeah, I think they kick a little bit more, kind of even it out across the board for all the four of the top guys. And then all four of the top guys kind of shave a little bit off so they can keep Iggy happy and they can keep Livingston happy. I don't think any of them want to mess with the chemistry. No, I don't. When you win a title like that, you're on that stretch for like three-year run where it's like two titles in three years. Could have been three, too, if they won in, in, this, in that, you know, three-and-one deficit where they lost it. But if they won that and they won three, I mean, we would have been discussing about Curry being a top five point guard all time, and I think he is in that discussion right now. But the discussion is going to be in the next couple of years if they win more titles. If where does Curry and Durant, <clears throat> even Clay or Green stand in all time ranks in their position? Because we don't want them. Curry wins a couple more rings. You can put him in second behind Magic as all time point, point guard. Yep. And he's undersized. Yeah, and he's undersized. Yeah. And you can make the case that he has his second all time right now because well, other point guards ahead of him haven't really won any rings. And they have been mentioned even MVP conversation in their career at least one right. time. So two you can time make, you can versus make, the two time yeah. one time unanimous. You can make MVP. a case for the Curry being second right now. I mean, Curry is definitely in the conversation in a lot of different conversations. Yeah. First of all, like you said, shooting wise, yeah, who shot be- who's shooting better than Curry? He's the greatest shooter ever. Right. He's he's one of the uh, he's not a spot up shooter to be that that's what really separates him from me is the, the fact dribble. that he's not. It's off the dribble. Yeah. You cannot defend someone who can pull up. From that distance, with that level of accuracy, off the dribble. I mean, Irving tried to defend him so hard on that last play in the war, in the game five, and he still drilled right in the face yeah, like that. Killed. And Irving knew it. he was like, uh, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be in the race. And it, but it, and it, it, but it's, it's, you can't do anything. Like yeah. that doesn't make Irving look bad. You see what I'm saying? At least the conversation is over though between Irving. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're done with that. That's done. Because Curry actually makes elevates his teammates, and he's done more. Like he almost averaged triple double in the finals, and we know no one's talking about it at all. Right, (laughs) that's what's crazy about it. Just quietly murdered everything moving, and he's the engine. Like Durant, like the thing about the Warriors is that Curry's everything for that Warriors team. Like Durant could get his points and everything. But the reason why they won those games against Cavaliers is because of Curry. It's because of what his presence is on the court. I mean, God forbid. I saw a picture. I'll show it to you later after the show. A picture of Curry defended by the Cavaliers. There's four people around him. <laughs> One person's wide open. Like he's a pass wide open to equal down because they're so worried about Curry. Like everybody's worried about Curry on every single second. And then when Curry commented earlier this week about how Curry – 
as is more dominant than Jordan in terms of his presence than he Jordan than ever was is because of what he can do. I mean, shoot every shoot half court shots. Yeah. He makes everybody better. I mean, I remember last year when he gets the Blazers, there was a, like a scenario where Blazers there was like three people defending uh, Curry at the same time. Like that's how good he is. Like, there's three people on him, and it's warranted. Yeah, it, they're they're not. That's that's the other part of it. They're not overreacting. They're not. You know it's what just, I mean? It's, it's not. Just, it's, he's just that good. It's not a stretch. Yeah. Like, yo, why, why are all three of you guys on him? Because it's Steph freaking Curry. Like, are you are you stupid? What are we supposed to do? Like, yes, we're all horrified that he's gonna hit one of those heart wrenching threes on us yeah. from out of the corner or half court or like four steps behind the three the, the the three point line. Yeah. And and take the heart from the team. Yes, we're all horrified. And then when we do that and we collapse on him, he kicks it out. And somebody gets in, and then there's Clay Thompson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's how that's why Durant had wide open dunks because they're worried about Curry. It's the and fear Thompson. of Curry and Thompson. Oh, yeah. It's the fear of the Splash Brothers. That's why he joined that team because he knew if he was on that team, no one can defend him really because of those guys around him. Because compare OKC, it was either Westbrook and somebody else, but no one else can shoot on OKC. Right. The Warriors. That's why it was easy for them to defend Durant and OKC. But now with the Warriors, that's why he wanted to join it. That's smart. And we have let Mark Jackson stay comment, stay on the commentator, commentator's booth. I wonder how he feels now with the Warriors winning two titles. Though. He's like, oh, maybe I would have won two titles. He definitely would have won two titles. Like, he developed those dudes. Yeah. That was, that was his development. Defensive identity, yeah. That was them. his development. Curry like, took them to another level on offense. But the defense, I think, stayed with them because of Jackson and what he's done. And I, I, think, I think even offensively, eventually they would have gotten there. I don't know if they would play offense like that. I think so. Because they were starting to. Remember when most Curry... Most of it was like aspects of the triangle and, and spacing and ball movement. I don't know if Jackson was doing that. Category. Remember when Curry came to the Knicks and dropped 50? Yeah. They were starting to get there, dude. Like, they, it was, they, they were still developing. Curry... I'm not taking anything away from Curry. No, I'm not taking anything from Curry. I think it's like that situation where, where like... I guess you could compare maybe relationships sometimes where you meet somebody and it's like you don't know if you're going to be with them forever. But it's like... That's like a step maybe where you meet somebody else who's like that win now person mm-hmm. where you know you're going to be with that person because you, you have so many mistakes with the other person. You I, learn from that. I kind of look at it as you get with one girl, right? Yeah. And she's, she's good. She's great. Yeah. And everything's fine. But she's not like maybe the most physically gifted chick you've ever gotten with. Yeah. And then she hits the gym. It starts working out, and all of a sudden, like a year later, her body is insane, and you can't, and like, and now you can't believe that, like, this is the chick you got, and she looks like fantastic from every angle, and now nothing's missing, and you like almost left her, but you didn't. Yeah, like that's that's kind of how I look at the Warriors. Like they started out as this like really hot chick that was all good, and then all of a sudden she just got a boob job or something. Or, Or also like if you're with a job and it's like startup. Or something for development, and then they and, get that investor. You get, and then you work somewhere where it's like the big time corporation that you get somebody, and you're like in that win now, basically with them, and taking mm-hmm. it to another level, and you're getting better as, as a person too. Like that's how the Knicks should be. Like you know, they have to be in the development stage where they they have that core, whether it's Porzingis, the French kid, Frank. I can't even pronounce his name. Me neither. I, I gotta pronounce his name correctly though, eventually. But I'm just calling the French kid for now. Or <laughs> French, French kid, Frank. Frank. French Frank. French Frank. Frank uh, the French. He's 18. I feel so old just calling him a kid. I'm like, I'm calling him a kid now because I'm like 23. He's like he is a kid. kid. Yeah, he's 18. He's a kid. He's 18 years old. Listen, listen. 
even if you were 18, yeah. he'd still be a kid. At 18, he's yeah. still a kid. Like, 18 is a kid no matter yeah, how I, old you I are. I still can't believe he's like, he's so skinny. 6'5", he was 18. He could probably be like 6'7", 21. If you were 15 years old, and you called an 18-year-old a kid, and he turned around and said, hey, I'm older than you. Like, yes, and you're still a kid. Like, yeah. I'm a kid too. We're yeah. both kids, but you're a kid. Yeah. But, yeah, like, the Knicks gotta develop that core. And when they get that core, that's when they can start adding more pieces. They get splashed superstars or something I like that. don't trust I know, Phil I know. We don't know Jackson. what that's gonna do. But that's how you build a team. That's how the Warriors build the way they were. Because the Warriors, you know, that that's how the team went together. And they build that team mm-hmm. and everything. That, that's how it's gonna be. Listen, so, make Mark Jackson the GM. I'll totally think that that can happen. I don't trust Phil Jackson while he's making deals like seventy-two million for Noah. Yeah. That was, that while he's was disrespecting Carmelo Anthony and threatening to trade Kristaps, like I, who can be stable in a place while he's still meddling with the coach and telling him what kind of system to run? But that, that was terrible, though. I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, it's just you gotta look at what it is, and Dolan's not gonna suddenly just fire him out of nowhere. Cause he's an idiot. But also because he's protection, like literally. All you have to do is Phil. take yourself out of the but hire somebody competent, don't just hire a name. But he always wanted to hire Jackson, so it's like the opportunity. Yeah, got, yeah. finally he hired Jackson. Now everybody's hating on him for the hiring so because like, it was a stupid hire. What we at the time we said and we thought it was okay, but then now you see all this is like, oh, it's a terrible. Well, see, my, my thing is that it was, I didn't, I didn't know, I just trusted because of what he'd done. Because he, but I realized that that was what he did as a coach. I knew he was still a rookie executive. I just hoped that the coach brain would translate, and it didn't. And I also hoped that his coach brain would have evolved past the triangle, and it didn't. So this, I mean, and and you gotta make like why why go out of your way to hire a name? You're not Steinbrenner. Uh, yeah, but he wants to be like that. He wants to be in that Steinberger and, and be like that guy. Oh, let's sign all these people and it's all work together like that. That's why he wants to be. Yeah. So, but we'll see what happens, man. You know, it's going to be a process for them in this free agency class. And, I mean, you know, if they're going to get anybody or they're just going to be what they are or, or they're going to sign some pieces. They got cap space, but they don't want to go over the cap either. So... Who's actually going to come to the Knicks? That's the question. Not Who's, nobody. Who, what are the Cavaliers going to do in the free agency and trying to make a splash to get better? What are the Warriors even going to do to keep everybody together? Are the Spurs going to make a, a hit for Chris Paul or maybe for Paul George? I mean, that's a conversation for them trading for Paul George. I mean, could that happen? For all could we you know? imagine if they got both of those dudes? Yeah, then they'll, they'll be the a legit Spurs, squad. If they got with both Kawhi of those Leonard. Dudes, with Kawhi? Paul George was talking smack about Kawhi Leonard a few years ago about Ka- seeing a system player. Kawhi at what, the four? Kawhi at the four? No, you could put George at the shooting guard position, too. He, he could George play shooting at the guard. two? Yeah. Kawhi Leonard at the three, Paul at the one. And then you got if, if they keep Lamarcus Archers, I don't think they will. I don't but, think they're gonna keep. But Lamarcus you know, Archers. then they have they still have a good bench, which has always been good because they develop players and everything. Um, so yeah, Spurs, you know, they're gonna be interesting to see. Clippers with Jerry West, are they gonna make a splash for George too? Is that gonna be something else? Are they gonna trade George? Are they gonna trade Blake Griffin? No, Blake Griffin's a free agent starting, I believe, in a couple of weeks. I think I think one week from now. Where so, can he go? I don't know, man. It's tough to say. OKC maybe. Russell does need the help. He's athleticism too. Russell, get that Russell athleticism does back. need the help. He's not the best shot, but actually his shots got better. It is, but Griffin has suddenly become like this this 
shooter now and just it's just weird like it, that's all he is he's just a jump shooter he's not even athletic anymore like he used to be because all the injuries have caught catch up to him now so it's gonna be tough for the for okc even to be better i mean they did drafted a shooting guard because they need shooting so they get they're gonna need that could you imagine if paul went over there to what okc mm-hmm. no i don't see that happening though i don't think anybody's westbrook got it. shooting guard I mean, he has to be a great shooter. Nah, then. West West can stay at the point. You put Paul at shooting guard. Put Paul at the three. I mean, it'll be interesting. He's long enough to defend most most dudes at most small forwards. Like, put him at the three. Well, I know one thing. Paul is leaving because we re- I see on pictures on Twitter those moving truck and everything. So he's he's all he's, he's, he's gone. gone. He's, he's gone. gone. And yeah, he's not going. He's going either L.A. or somewhere else. So we don't know yet. Yeah, but he's definitely. I I predict. I'm still sticking with my main prediction that he and Melo end up in California. Or or you can see this situation where Melo, him, oh no, actually Melo, Wade and Rondo go Cavaliers. Melo and Rondo? And Wade. Wade might get buy out by the Bulls. Rondo is a free, free agent, I believe so. And Melo, for all we know, might get traded to the Cavaliers. Rondo would come off the bench. Yeah. Will be, will be actually the playmaker that they're searching for, unlike washed up yeah. Darren Williams. Right. So That would actually make a pretty, because Melo could come off the bench, too. They could, and he's going to play Rondo. So, right. yeah. Which I he mean, likes. See, that will actually work for them, off, but I still they're still missing that defense. And it's just like, no matter how much offense you got, that defense is going to be trash. Like, it's really going to be trash. So I don't know what's gonna happen, man. The Cavaliers—they could get all these offensive players, and it could be the same thing they were this year. Mm-hmm. But as they don't improve that defense, it won't make a difference because you're not gonna defend the Warriors, and that's how you're gonna beat them. You gotta defend them. You can't outscore them. We've seen teams try to outscore the Warriors. Look what happened. They get yeah. blown out. How about that? All of them. Yeah. Without question. So the offensive mind thing ain't gonna work with them. It's the defensive mind that's gonna work. I mean, that's how they won their title. We'll see. And then some reason they're not doing that. We'll see. Stephen A. Smith said the same thing. You can't outscore the Warriors. You, you got to try and stop them. You can't try and outscore them. You can't out-warrior the I think Warriors. He, I think he said he wanted to outscore them because you can't stop them, I think. That's what he said. Dude, But Matthew point, Del, Matthew Delvadova would have been a better pickup than Shumper, in my opinion. They, they, they signed him instead of Shumper. But there's some reason they signed Shumper over Matthew, over Matthew Delvadova because he made a difference in that championship playing defense. So it's like We'll see Yeah we'll see what happens man Well that's gonna do it for today's show I know it was a long long show But we have I wanna thank Oliver Baroni from Who writes for uh, Dime Magazine And is also the host Of the Big 3 show So I wanna thank him For being on the show You can follow us On the Science City Facebook page And Twitter account As uh, Science City Underscore 360 You can follow me At Morinus10 I'm at M-R-M-E-C-C Mr. Mech On Twitter and Instagram and check for all, all our latest episodes on SoundCloud and also on iTunes once we get that running as well. See you next week.